Kia ora, I'm Georgia. I'm Catherine. And you're listening to... Pimpod! everyone and welcome to this week's episode of Parent Pod. Um, Georgia, are you still hungover? <laughs> Just about. <laughs> yeah, what, what day are we? Nearly a week post hens do. Such a great day. Such a great day. <laughs> it's got me so excited oh. for the wedding. <sighs> Next week you'll get married. Well, yeah, in the weekend coming. So... Which is crazy. Yeah. It's been a long time coming, it feels like, like since we booked in the date and everything. So, yeah, yeah. I'm really excited. I'm just, I'm just so excited now, you know, I'm at that point. Oh, <laughs> oh it's so, I'm so excited yeah. for you. It's, oh, it'll be such a good day. Sad that you won't be able to be there, but you'll be there virtually. Yes, yeah, I'll, I'll be clicking on and watching virtually. And do you think everything is like everything ready to go? I think so. I'm kind of at the point now where I'm like, if it's not, we're kind of, it's too late, you know? Yeah, it's not happening. Yeah, it's just, it doesn't matter. Yeah, the doves are not going to be putting your <laughs> ring on your finger. They're out. Yeah, I haven't I haven't had enough time to train them. <laughs> like barely I imagine training children to just be present at the wedding yeah let alone like animals yeah oh gosh yeah we when we were booking in the date this was like pre-flow we yeah. were like she'll definitely be walking by then she'll be 15 months oh, old like Harry yeah. walked at like 10 months old she'll definitely be walking she's not walking <laughs> But it's That's... fine. It actually, like, it doesn't matter. I think she's the type of kid that even if she could walk, she'd want to be carried all day anyway. And that's probably okay. why she doesn't walk, because she just gets carried everywhere. So, uh, yeah, why bother? Yeah, why would she need to? Luckily, she's so light that it just doesn't, that it's fine. But It's just not an issue. Yeah, we're heading away for a couple of nights after the wedding, so the kids will be with my mum. And I was like, what's the bet she'll oh, walk then? Nice. Like, the days are oh, true, but it just doesn't matter. Like, yeah, yeah, it's so true that they do that to you. You just need to say to your mom, like, if she does it, don't tell me. Yeah. I actually was like, is it bad that we just kind of don't care? Like with number two, we're like, oh well. Whereas with <laughs> Harry, it was like such a big deal. Yeah, she'll walk at some point. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine as long as she does it before school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How are you? Uh. Yeah, good. I well, I'm really excited for this week's episode. Yes, me too. This was probably yeah. like really great timing for you to listen to this as well. Oh, yes. Just so we've got Grace from Four Physio talking to us about um like pre and postnatal women's health and and um making sure you get that uh, postnatal assessment done oh so it's so good as I as we were finishing I was there like already booking my postnatal assessment so I don't miss out on it and was thinking okay I need to make sure I do some exercises tonight like some strengthening exercises and as we both said our pelvic floor's got the workout of yeah. their lives <laughs> they've never worked chat. so hard <laughs> yeah exactly um you will be doing the same whether you're male, female, like baby, no baby, whatever, you will. You can't not. No. It's like when <laughs> this is gross, and I'm sorry, Grace, that we're I'm associating this with what you do, but you know when whenever we talk to the kids about nits at school. Yes, and you get so itchy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was thinking it's kind of like that. Yes. But much nicer. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was yeah. such a yeah, it was such a great chat. And I mean, everyone's heard us going on and on and on about going to see a woman's health physio. So it was nice to finally have um, Grace on because it is something that has been really highly requested. So we hope that you enjoy this episode and get something out of it. We're very sure that you will. Yeah. So here we go. This week we have four physio joining us on the podcast. Four Physio is a physio and women's health service in Christchurch run by the lovely Holly and Grace. We've wanted to chat to a woman's health physio from the moment we started planning Parent Pod last year, as we both feel that seeing a physio postpartum is an absolute essential. So we can't wait to chat to you, Grace. 
Yes, thank you for having me on your podcast. Um, I really appreciate it. So for physio, yeah, as you mentioned, is a physiotherapy clinic in Christchurch run by myself and Holly. And Holly is one of my really close friends. Special. Yeah, I know. It's so lovely. We both moved back from overseas a couple of years ago and sort of just decided that we wanted to open our own clinic and sort of run things the way that we wanted things to be run. Um, So we put our heads together and did that. And we started alongside um, a sort of really popular Pilates studio in Christchurch here and then um, have recently expanded into a slightly bigger space in Strowan, which is really cool. So we love it. Uh, we run physio, you know, we uh, provide normal physiotherapy yeah. and then we provide a women's health service and a Pilates service on the side. Which I so, have been yeah. a um, customer of, both of those. So thanks, Grace. And I loved it. The no Pilates um, and that prenatal, like coming from just being pregnant to them, you know, being pregnant again was awesome to build up that strength before going into birth. So can definitely recommend yeah. it. Yeah, it's so, so important. It's such a nice way of exercising when you're pregnant as well. Yeah, because there's really no nice. There's no, yeah, there's yeah. just no, it's just safe for you and it yeah. targets the right areas, which is really important. And it's really nice as well. I've actually kept in touch with a couple of the mums that were in the the group. So that's been, like, it was like a really nice way to meet some other mums as well. Oh. absolutely it's so nice and then you all see each other in the postnatal pilates yeah. <laughs> on the other side <laughs> so good oh yeah that's so good yeah um so grace can you just tell us what is a women's health physio I sure can. So a woman's health physio, I'm a regular physio. So I went to uni and studied um, physiotherapy. And then from there have done extra postgraduate training and courses to sort of then specialize in the field of women's health and pelvic health. So a woman's health physio, I guess really, I always say we focus from the boobs to the butt, basically, (laughs) sort of like the area in between uh, is our area of specialty. So we focus on the pelvis quite a lot, which involves the pelvic joints and bones, but also the muscles around there. So particularly the pelvic floor muscles. And then we focus a lot around the core um, and the lower back as well, because that's all linked in with that pelvic region. So we work with women of all ages um, to help them to stay really, I guess, confident and comfortable in their bodies as as they're changing through their life. Yeah. So work with women who are, you know, just going through puberty and getting their menstrual cycle right through to women who are sort of in their childbearing years, whether they're pregnant or postpartum. We also work with women who might have pelvic pain, so those with endometriosis or polycystic ovarian oh. syndrome, um, and then sort of the other end, women who have been through or are going through menopause, sort of helping them to stay comfortable through that time with regards to their pelvic health, essentially. So, so such much, a great job. Yeah, so much more than what I thought. I just thought women's health, pregnancy postpartum yeah 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 and that's what a lot I I mean that's a big part of my caseload for sure um but another another really big part would be yeah women who have pelvic pain painful periods um sort of chronic um concerns around endometriosis and that side of things yeah wow yeah busy busy and I remember someone saying to me I think it was my midwife saying quite often things that have happened during childbirth and postpartum don't catch up with you until menopause. And then that's when it kind of comes to bite you on the bum. That's exactly right. And that's what we're seeing a lot of now is sort of, you know, our parents' Mm. generation. They've all recently gone through menopause and then um, are suddenly starting to notice symptoms of incontinence or, or issues with prolapse or issues with their pelvic floor that perhaps they didn't have before then. And it's because right. of the hormonal shift that happens during menopause. We have this big drop in estrogen and that then sort of allows all of these problems to rear their heads that potentially were there a wee while before, but were just sort of yeah being covered up by um, higher estrogen levels, oh, helping to support uh, everything. Yeah. 
Yes, that's what it is. So it's so Gosh. important to get checked. We're so passionate about it on this podcast. People would have heard us <laughs> yeah. like laughing on about it. <laughs> so important. Hopefully when we're all, you know, going through menopause, there's, you know, because there is so much more awareness around women's health physio now, the goal is that we're not having as many sort of ongoing concerns yeah. at that point. Cool. Yeah. Um, oh, definitely. How or when do we know when we should be booking in to see a woman's health physio? And how, how do we actually go about that? Like, how do we know if someone specializes in that? Yeah, um, great question. Uh, if we're thinking sort of pre and postnatal specific, which is I know what you ladies are focusing on, um, prenatal, I would always suggest that someone books in to see a woman's health physio any time from their second trimester onwards. Okay. Right. Yeah, because that's when you're starting to notice changes to your body and when you're starting to think about what you might have to be modifying from an exercise point of view or you might just need some advice around um, symptoms that you might be experiencing. So normally I would see someone around 20 weeks mm-hmm. pregnant yeah, okay. um, and then they might see them a couple of times through their pregnancy as they progress and sort of move towards labour and then the fourth trimester. Right. Um, and then postpartum, generally, I would suggest someone books in for a six-week postnatal check yeah. or any time after that. Occasionally, we do see women earlier, particularly if they have really specific or sort of acute concerns, okay. then we might see them around three or four weeks post. But the six weeks is generally when we would see you. Um, and then with regards to how to find or how to go about booking, most... Um, most physio clinics, if they've got a women's health physio, will have it sort of quite obviously marked there that that is a women's health or a pelvic health physio. And okay. um, so, so that's a good one. Uh, obviously, chatting with your pregnant or postnatal friends about who they might have seen or talking to yeah. your midwife for some recommendations is a good option. The thing that I would check is that the the women's health physio that you're seeing is able to do pelvic floor exams because there are some physiotherapists out there who are sort of interested in women's health and and know a lot more than Mm. say a regular physio but they might not be able to do that full uh sort of exam that you might be after postnatal for example okay uh generally it will state that on the um on the website or or wherever you are looking, but it do- doesn't pay to ask if you're not sure as well. And yeah, and that postnatal checkup it is really important to get that internal examination, isn't it? In my opinion, it's really important yeah. because it gives me or or the physio who's doing the assessment so much information. It's absolute. It's not an absolute necessity though some women aren't comfortable with an internal exam and that's absolutely fine there are other ways that we can assess and sort of give you treatment and advice but it's definitely always offered because we can get so much more information from that Mm. the pelvic floor muscles are all internal and so we can't really see them like we can see a shoulder or a back or a knee so we do need to have that sort of um yeah, more in depth assessment, I guess, where where we can and where the woman is comfortable. Okay. Mm, yeah, that makes sense. What's you know, what's an exam after childbirth? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's right. Most people are like, Grace, you don't even need to leave the room. I'm happy. Just let's just do it here and now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've been through this so much in the last six weeks. Yeah, and if you've been so breastfeeding, true. like your boobs are out everywhere, you just yeah, you're used to it all. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so so true um so let's chat about pregnancy a bit what changes I'm sure there are thousands but what main changes might our bodies go through in pregnancy that a physio could help us with yeah um so many you're correct mm-hmm. the main ones I guess a big change that's happening is is obviously your hormones are changing from my point of view the hormones are then affecting everything else so as you become sort of more and more pregnant obviously your baby grows but you also get that lovely hormone relaxing Mm. sort of soaring through your body softening everything which is great because it does allow bub to you know um 
or sorry, your uterus and your tummy to expand and it allows your hips to widen and sort of prepare you to carry a baby for nine months. But those changes then can sometimes cause um, aches and pains around the pelvis and around the lower back as your posture changes and as your support system changes. Um, so that's where a physio can absolutely help, um, obviously, assessing where that pain and where that discomfort might be coming from and then giving you some tools to manage that. Mm. Um, everyone knows that when they're pregnant, their tummy expands outwards and we see yeah. a, a nice wee baby bump growing. And when that happens, your core muscles, they stretch around your tummy and we get this thing called diastasis recti or abdominal separation um, and that's something that we can help sort of manage and educate you on okay. and make sure that you're sort of looking after that area and then obviously there are pelvic floor changes as well that we can help with um, through pregnancy. It's amazing how ah. as soon as you're not pregnant you forget about all of this like I'm like that's right I was really sore in my pregnancy but you just forget about it until you probably go back again. Absolutely. And some, I have women come in and they're like, I wish I came in two months ago yeah. because I just oh. got back pain. Oh, I'm pregnant. Oh, I've got back pain. That's fine. I'll just have to put up with yeah. this. But yeah. actually there's so much that we can do to make you more comfortable. And one of the big things in pregnancy is trying to keep you exercising because exercise is so good for you, mm. yeah. you know, the pregnant woman, but also for your baby okay. or the health of your baby. Yeah. And so, you know, if pain is stopping you from exercising, I would absolutely suggest that you book in to see a woman's health physio because we can really help to try and keep you moving um, to some degree as well. Oh, that's good. Um, so you know when you said like your core muscles, I've always wondered this, they just like expand then like over the top of your bump, do they? They absolutely do, yeah. Yeah, and that's, that's crazy. The beauty of hormones in the female body allows that to happen. It is um, it's amazing. It's actually amazing. It com completely blows my mind all the time. So like when you give birth vaginally, your pelvic floor muscles, for example, they, they can stretch up to three times their normal length uh, oh to allow them to, to come out. And like I can't think of any other muscle in your body that can just do that yeah. and just bounce back. And that's, yeah. that's the hormonal changes, but it is yeah, pretty incredible that, that it can do that. Oh my gosh, no wonder that you is... can get so many issues with your pelvic floor. Well, yeah. absolutely, yeah. That is nuts, isn't it? Three times. Is that because of the relaxing or is that because like your pelvic floor are just a different type of muscle? Or No, your pelvic floor muscles are skeletal muscles, so they're just like any other sort of muscle in your body that you can actively contract and relax. Um, but yeah, it's the hormones, the relaxing and some other hormones that really help to sort of soften, soften your muscles during labor and during childbirth. And so oh my gosh, it's incredible. Where actually is our <laughs> pelvic floor? Like I remember when I came to see you, you, when you explained it, I was like, that is so much more than I ever thought it was. <laughs> it is, isn't it? And because we, we can't see it, yeah. we sort of can't visualize what it is and, when, when people come in to see us at four, we've got these 3D yes. <laughs> pelvic models. Yeah, I'll show you. I can see you ladies on the video. Pelvic model like this. Oh, yeah. And I sort of explain what the pelvic floor is by using that because it's so helpful to see in that way. Yeah. When you look at the pelvic floor online, because it's all 2D, it just looks like this small little sling of muscles um, that, that don't appear to actually be doing much but really the pelvic floor fills the bowl or fills the floor of your pelvis hence its name yeah. it's the floor yeah. of the pelvis and literally runs right from the front of your pelvis right the way to the back and essentially sort of up each side crazy as well as wrapping around or covering the entrances of the vagina the urethra and the anus as well. So there's there's sort of these muscles around your entrances and then there's this whole other deep layer of muscles that lots of people don't realise we have. Yeah, I definitely Jeez. didn't realise it was like so far up, like around your bum. I just didn't even think that that was your pelvic floor. Yeah, yeah, absolutely is your pelvic floor. And your pelvic floor has essentially three main functions and one of them is continence but it's continence of your bladder and your bowel mm. so 
okay. you know, the muscles that squeeze around your back passage are pelvic floor muscles and they're helping to hold in, you know, your bowel motions and wind. Yeah. And then the muscles that are squeezing around your vaginal entrance and your urethra, which is your wee tube, um, are helping to hold in urine and, and control your bladder. So, um, yeah, pretty, pretty important yeah. and, and <laughs> so important. Muscles. Yeah, they also function too. They really sort of have a, a big function when it comes to sexual intercourse. Right. Um, oh. As well as supporting your pelvic organs. So you've got three pelvic organs. You've got a bladder, a uterus, and a bowel. And they essentially all sit on top of your pelvic floor um, and are supported somewhat by your pelvic floor through the day. And I always use the hammock analogy because it's a really nice way of imagining it. If your pelvic floor yeah. was a hammock... And on each side of that hammock, you had a tree. If that was the bones at the front and the back of your pelvis, um, hopefully I'm making sense, then your pelvic floor is the hammock going between the trees. Then your pelvic organs are the little people sitting on top of the hammock. Okay. Yeah. And so we need that hammock to be sort of nice and tight and strong. And we need those trees on either side to be really stable so the little people sitting in the hammock can stay where they are and not sink in and that's basically what the pelvic floor is doing it's yeah (laughs) support system underneath oh my gosh so when you chuck a baby into one of those organs exactly (laughs) then you think of those muscles stretching as much as they stretch it's pretty amazing that you know really most of us bounce back as quickly as we do visual of it yeah like a miracle if we're being honest yeah Really useful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think it does help. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just imagining, like, my bladder there just chilling out on my pelvic floor hammock. <laughs> well, that's exactly what it's doing. <laughs> and then you think if you add, you know, if you add impact, like if you yeah. if you start jumping, your bladder obviously needs to be supported more by that hammock yeah. sort of from underneath just like sort of that person on the hammock starts jumping on the yes, hammock true. that hammock and the trees need to be even stronger to help to yeah. support that area mm. yeah do um do men have a pelvic floor too men do have a pelvic floor uh-huh. yeah they don't tend to i mean men do have trouble with their pelvic floor at times in their lives but mm. definitely not as often as women right. do because they don't go through pregnancy and childbirth yeah and they don't have the same hormonal fluctuations that women do right, through yeah. their lives makes mm. sense god they get it easy don't they oh so easy <laughs> <laughs> some fear <laughs> so what can we do in pregnancy then or I guess actually you know pre-pregnancy to help strengthen our pelvic floor or to help us out you know with any issues that may arise Mm-hmm. Great question, and one that I get a lot. Mm. Um, it's I reckon it's the main reason women think they're coming to see me when they're pregnant is to strengthen their pelvic floor and make sure that their pelvic floor is strong. Okay. And I always spend a lot of time educating educating these ladies that it is really important to have a strong pelvic floor during pregnancy because you need that hammock yeah. supporting your yeah. little people. Um, but it's also really important to have a pelvic floor that can relax when you want it to relax and that's because you know if you walk around your whole pregnancy squeezing your pelvic floor and tightening it and holding on and holding on and holding on when it comes to labor and childbirth your pelvic floor is going to find it much harder to relax and therefore stretch our bub to come out so I always spend a lot of time yeah sort of letting women know that Yes, we want a strong pelvic floor, but we want a pelvic floor that can relax as well. And therefore, we want what I call like a really functional pelvic floor, a pelvic floor that can squeeze when we want it to and relax when we want it to. And so during pregnancy, that's what I always advise people to focus on. You know, make sure you can squeeze so that you can support the area, but make sure that you can feel the relaxation as well and that drop down of the muscles when you don't need them and just to make, you know, pregnancy labor and the postpartum right. journey is smooth don't think about that okay i imagine yeah. everyone listening to this is doing the same as what i imagine you're doing too, George, is and like doing some <laughs> yeah. for exercise just to be like oh yeah that 100%. feeling <laughs> yeah it's, it's like your bicep 
muscle. Like if you imagine the muscle in your arm, you don't walk around all day <laughs> holding your bicep or your arm bent at 90 degrees, um, just like holding it there. And if you did do that, it would yep. become really dysfunctional. You'd try and pick yeah. something up and your arm would be so sore or so weak because you'd been using it so much that it probably wouldn't do what you needed it to do. You sort of leave your arm relaxed down by your side all day. And then when you need it to pick something up, you can pick something up. And it's yeah. the same thing with your pelvic floor. We want it to be able to sort of come on when we need it. And then the rest of the time, just chill out and go along for the ride. Yeah. Basically. Yeah, it does. Mm. It really does. Is there anything else, so like not pelvic floor related, that we can be doing in pregnancy? So like with the ab separation, is there anything we can do like, yeah, pre-pregnancy or during pregnancy to try and prevent the ab separation? So um, interesting question about ab separation. The the main the main thing I would say there is that we can't prevent it. Oh, yeah. So okay. yeah, so everyone gets ab separation and it's a really again sort of like a really common question that I would get is, you know, my friend had really bad ab separation and I really want to try and prevent it. What can I do? And then I have to break the news that they're going to get ab separation. Everyone's going to get it. It's part of your tummy actually expanding out yeah. and bub growing is that, you know, something has to to stretch yeah. and to sort of allow that to happen. So um, ab separation, otherwise known as diastasis recti or DRAM, is um, basically sort of a widening of the connective tissue that runs down the center of your tummy. Okay. And so if you imagine someone with six-pack abs, you know how you can like really easily see the two sides of yeah. the abs? You can yeah. sort of see there's almost like a line down the middle that runs down through their belly button when they've got really defined abs. That line, we've all got it. And, um, Just well, mine is called- well and truly hilly. <laughs> It's all, it's in there somewhere for all of us. <laughs> and in someone who's not pregnant or hasn't had a baby, that line is about half, you know, sort of, it differs for everyone, but it can be between sort of like half a centimetre and two centimetres wide. Right. And it's actually a line of connective tissue called your linear alba. And when you're pregnant, because your tummy has to expand out, it's that line of connective tissue that widens and stretches ah, ah. Um, sort of down the middle of your tummy. And depending on where your baby is sitting, how big your baby is, how long your torso is, yeah. will depend on where you might get that stretch the most. Right. down that central line so some women and most women I would say they get probably most stretch around their belly yeah. button okay yeah other women and very commonly um I see this they'll get a lot of stretch sort of around their lower ribs or up closer to their breastbone oh, yeah. okay. um, as their ribs start to widen and then some women will have more of a stretch down the really bottom part of their tummy or they might have quite an even spread the whole way down but we can't avoid it. Um, and by the end of your third trimester, it's actually really common to have about three fingers, sometimes even four fingers width of separation at some oh part of your tummy. Wow. That's nice. And you can yeah. often feel it, can't you? Absolutely. So people say, oh, when I do, when I sort of sit up in bed, my tummy pushes out into this cone shape. Um, and that's, that's called conine. And that's actually that tendon that's sort of widened bit of tendon pushing out and creating a bit of a, a oh. cone or sort of like a diamond shape on your on your tummy. Um, yeah, and so everyone gets it. Um, postpartum, though, some women, that ab separation or that stretching of the linear alba comes back together really quickly. So as, you know, as their tummy comes back and as their hormones change that will return really quickly and then other women it doesn't quite come back together and that's when we sort of assess at the six week mark and we make a plan as to how we're going to strengthen the other core muscles and support that area so that it has the best chance to sort of slowly make its way back and in some women we do all of that and they still end up with some ab separation left over and that's actually absolutely oh, fine okay. What okay. we know from the research is that it actually doesn't affect uh, function. 
as long as you've got really good control of the muscles around right. it, there's no right. reason why you can't run, jump, lift weights, do whatever you want to do with ab separation. Ah, okay. So it doesn't affect like your back and ability to lift things or anything? No, um, poor core strength and stability absolutely can affect your back. Right. Um, but the abdominal separation itself, not necessarily. And okay. on the odd occasion, there is uh, some some women who will have a really wide abdominal separation that just doesn't resolve. And sometimes that can affect the stability of your center, of your trunk, and right. therefore then affect back pain. But honestly, and over 90% of women, if we can get the other core muscles working and we can get the glutes strong and we can get your upper back strong and we can sort of build your strength and mm. stability, it shouldn't affect it. Oh, that's so good to know. Oh, wow. And so doing, you know, like 100 sit-ups a day before you get pregnant isn't going to make that any better? <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. Okay. Um, it will make your six-pack abs a little bit more defined pre-pregnancy, <laughs> um, but probably won't help to prevent abdominal separation. However, I will say that during pregnancy, as your tummy does start to grow, we do tend to suggest that you hold off on doing things like crunches or really heavy core uh, exercises because it does yeah. put, while that area has widened, while that linear alba has widened it's a little bit um it's a little bit less stable it's a little bit more susceptible to injury so we just don't want to be putting too much pressure through that area and instead during pregnancy and this is coming back to your last question Catherine I would as you know as a physio I would really focus on making sure that that woman has good abdominal support through her pregnancy so that she's not putting too much strain through that area so that's exercises that are safe for her to do abdominal support garments um you know teaching her how to bend over and pick up her toddler or bend over and pick something up without putting too much strain right through that area and even towards the end of your pregnancy it's how to get out of bed properly isn't it oh, not just yeah. throwing yourself up and out well not that you can but actually knowing how to do it properly. exactly so how to move and um, to look after your body and to keep you comfortable super important so rolling onto your side is is what you should be doing um when you're getting in and out of bed and then also just how to um sort of get in and out of the car and those sorts of things lots of different movements to consider through pregnancy mm, yeah how many fingers are your abs at now, Catherine? I know. I was just trying to feel feel that. I don't. I can't tell. I <laughs> I don't know if that's not a good thing. They're, they're like <laughs> well hidden. I don't know. Well, it very. I mean, I would say fifty. I don't know the exact stats, but sort of roughly fifty percent of women it will come back together naturally. Here's hoping. Interesting. There's still a chance for that six pack. Absolutely. And even with ab separation, there's still a chance for a six pack. You've just got a slightly wider gap down the middle. It's just, I, I like to say it just makes it more, more defined. defined. That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm going for. <laughs> I love it. So if we now go talk about childbirth and postpartum, I know we've touched on it a little bit, but um. When should we book in? I know you said about coming at that kind of six-week mark, but how? when should we start thinking about booking in? And, yeah. Yeah, so I think it's always good to sort of know if you – it's a tough one. At the moment, I'm advising my clients to book in sort of six weeks post their due date, and that's just purely because that's how long it's taking to get an appointment with us at the moment. Right. Um, okay. So yeah. if you know that you're like someone who really knows, I really want to get back into running, I want to go back to the gym as soon as I can after having bub, then I would recommend you can, you know, book in your six-week check in advance and that's absolutely fine to do as well. We don't always know when bub's going to come into the world, yeah. but roughly yeah. it doesn't have to be six weeks on the dot. You could come in at five and a half weeks or you could come in at seven weeks, but you know, sometimes booking it in advance helps. Otherwise, um, when you get to the point where you feel like you're sort of having a few questions about your recovery and you're wondering what you can do next and or you might have some symptoms that you want assessed, then that's a good time to book in with a women's health physio from there as okay. well. 
Yeah. And I get part of that, I'm wondering, we mentioned it before, but why? Why should we see a physio? Do I need to? You know, if people are feeling great and starting to be able to walk and stuff um, or do exercise, why, you know, why should we go and see a physio? Yeah, great question. Um, I personally think everyone should come and see a physio, whether they've got symptoms or not, just purely to to make sure that as they return to activity and return to, you know, the busyness of life, that they are safe as they do that. Because sometimes you can feel okay, you know, going for a walk or sort of moving around the house or bending over to pick something up. But as soon as you start doing a little bit more, that's when some symptoms Mm. can crop up that you sort of didn't know were there. It's also really important if there are no symptoms ever, just to get the tick off to say, actually, yes, you know, your pelvic floor muscles are functioning like they would have been two years ago. You've got amazing strength. You've got amazing control. Your abs have recovered. You've got amazing stability there. So if in the future you want to train for a marathon or you want to, you know, do this or that, you're actually going to be safe to do it. And even just to get some advice on what they should be doing long-term, you know, we talked about sort of menopause, but even what they should be doing between pregnancies to maintain the pelvic floor strength and maintain the control that they've got at that point. We also do a lot, and some people don't realise this, but we do a lot of uh, sort of scar and wound assessment as well. Mm. So post-caesarean, we're, we're sort of helping with the management of the caesarean scar um, and sort right. of giving advice around that. But then also with vaginal and perineal tears, um, often sort of I'm picking up on a scar that might just need a little bit of help or a scar that's maybe a bit thickened as it's healed and, and you know, maybe a bit sensitive. We might just be needing to change the management plan a little bit at that point. So physios can give sort of quite a lot of advice around that as well also you know providing you exercises to help you to build your strength back up giving you guidance on returning to intercourse as well which is another big question that we get um and then just helping out with any other musculoskeletal aches and pains that you might have because we talk about a lot about pelvic floor and core but you'll know you know breastfeeding puts a lot of pressure on your back and on your neck and on your shoulders yeah yeah so you know, having yeah. some advice from someone who who works with women in your position all the time can be really helpful as mm. well. Catherine, did you have to wear a wrist guard when yeah. you was a baby? Do you know what? This has just come back to me. As you said wrist, I completely forgot that ever happened. But yeah, I, I went to go and see a physio. Oh, it was so painful. He was such a big baby. He was, And when I was lift, lifting him out of the bassinet for feeds at night my wrist I was just in agony and someone called it like is it mother's wrist yes yeah but it's, it's called de Quer veins actually oh. um, that's the technical term for it um de, de Quer veins tenosynovitis <laughs> um, oh, but yeah mother's wrist. it happens oh, yeah. in a lot of new mums yeah oh my it, gosh it was so painful yeah, yeah, really, really debilitating. And it gets, you know, if, if it sort of gets really bad, it can get to the point where you can't pick up your baby um, for fear of sort of not being able to use your wrist, which is yeah. um, quite scary for a lot of new mums. Hmm. Yeah, but there's lots that we can do about it. One thing that you just don't need, you know, you're thinking <laughs> about all the other parts yeah. of your body that are broken, you're like, just give me at least my wrist, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what it is? It's it's going from, um, the hormones play a role, but it's going from like never picking up a baby 50 million times a day yeah. to suddenly like from one day to the other, picking up this, this wriggly human constantly and having to use the little muscles around your wrists a lot to help to stabilize. Yeah. And then it's doing that every single day and every single night nonstop. And then sometimes your tendons around your wrist just go, well, that's enough. Um, this is really painful. And, you know, if it was a sporting injury or something like that, we would say just have a bit of time off. Yeah. And a couple of weeks off and it will settle, but you can't do it. That would be nice. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so we it's have to so use splints and things, which it sounds like you had to use, Catherine. Yeah. Did you have that with to... Hector? No, I didn't actually. I guess, I guess he wasn't maybe... as big. No, and I think maybe I was prepared, but I felt so embarrassed because I went to like the 
just my normal like sports med physio and I when they're asking what you've done I'm like nothing just picking up my baby out of bed and you feel so embarrassed don't you that it's just such a (laughs) non-injury it's that repetitive motion though isn't it yeah and actually that's something I didn't I really took for granted is especially with those you know next to you cribs when you've got a baby in there and you're doing those night feeds like you really feel it in your abs don't you because yeah you do you're not yeah I'm not even sure how are you supposed to pick up your baby without hurting yourself because it's awkward when you're sitting down you you are putting everything on your wrists aren't you and arms to lift them across yeah um so what in childbirth and postpartum what are the most common things that you see mums coming to you with most common concerns uh absolutely would be incontinence primarily of the bladder So the most common type of incontinence that I would see would be stress urinary incontinence. So that's leakage with when there's sort of stress placed through the pelvis or the pelvic floor. So with coughing, sneezing, jumping, laughing is a big one. A lot of my neurons are laughing a lot, thankfully. So they sort of notice (laughs) it again. Or maybe when they sort of, yeah, have to run across the street or run across the road or pick up bub. They're noticing a little bit of leakage there. So that's by far the most common. And I always advise people that it is so, so incredibly common that it's almost considered normal for the first yeah, six to I was going to say, is it normal? Right. Because I think even my whole life, I've always just thought, oh, as soon as I have a baby, I won't be able to hold my bladder. And, you know, it's, I think, something that you talk about and with your group of friends, like, oh, gosh, you know, they'll sneeze and then wee once I've had babies. Like, I feel like it's yeah. such a, like, almost accepted thing that people think it can't get fit. Because all of our, you know, our parents' generations sort of laugh about that too, don't they? They're sort yeah. of like, oh, yes. my, you never bounce on the trampoline. Yes. Um, yeah, know, that's the classic not. one, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. But but I always say it's it's almost considered normal for the first six to 12 weeks postpartum. Yeah. Any bladder leakage post that point, although it's still very common, we wouldn't say is normal. And and definitely if anyone is experiencing leakage that's bothering them post that 12-week mark, um, absolutely, you know, make sure that you book in to see someone because there's so much that we can do to help it. Um, And, you know, you should be able to jump and bounce on the trampoline and feel really confident as you do it. Generally, we just need to figure out what's going on and, and work on it from there. And is that because your hormones have just gone back to normal by 12 weeks or is it um, just like healing time? It's actually both. So your hormones are definitely sort of, particularly your estrogen levels are starting to come back up a little bit by that point. But also, you know how I mentioned your pelvic floor muscles are stretching quite a lot during a vaginal delivery, particularly. Um, It takes what what we think is about 12 weeks for that length of your pelvic floor to return to normal and therefore for that strength to come back and so you know at that point if someone is still experiencing leakage we just need to see what's going on with the pelvic floor maybe we need to focus on not just squeezing the pelvic floor but actually teaching it to come on really quickly so that when you jump or when you laugh or sneeze which is often quite a quick sort of out of the blue motion that your pelvic floor can respond to that really quickly and and sort of Mm. come on when you need it to as opposed to just coming on really slowly and by that point it's too late well it's just checking things like that the coordination basically of your pelvic yeah and with um instrumental deliveries are you more likely to have pelvic floor issues that's what the research shows us at the moment, yeah. So okay. particularly forceps deliveries, um, the research shows us that it's more likely that you might develop pelvic floor concerns or your risk of perineal tearing is higher. Right. Um, not all of them, but it definitely is an increased risk. It's only very slightly increased risk with a Kiwi cup. Um, okay, yeah. Actually less than what a lot of people will think. Mm-hmm. Right. Hmm. And then postnatally, when do we stop doing our pelvic floor? Is it something we should keep doing forever? Or, <laughs> yeah, and also down the line, other than that, um, like if we're still having bladder leakage at 12 weeks, what are some other warning signs that we might need to come back for a checkup? Yes, so um, 
in my opinion, we should never stop working on our pelvic floor. Uh, <laughs> I think there are different stages of pelvic floor training, however. So when you're postnatal and you're recovering, we're in that recovery sort of generally strengthening phase where we're working Mm. on improving your pelvic floor function. But when it gets to a certain point where your pelvic floor is functioning really well, it can squeeze well, it can hold for a long period of time, it's really coordinated, all of that good stuff. It's about maintaining what you've got so that you know leading into perhaps a subsequent pregnancy or leading into the later stages of your life when you're going or heading into perimenopause or menopause you've got that really good control and you've got that base Mm. and that's really going to help obviously sort of down the track as well so I always suggest um once you get tipped off by your pelvic floor physio chatting to them about what you should be doing from a maintenance point of view to keep what you've got sort of going. Okay. Okay. So that might look like, um, you know, postnatal, you might do pelvic floor squeezes. Often I'll prescribe for you to do them three times a day. Yeah. That's right. quite intensive. You know, you're sitting there, you're really trying to build up your strength or build up your speed or whatever it is we're working on. But then when you move to more of a maintenance, it might be that you're just doing them once a day or that you're just doing them when you go to the gym, which might be three times a week. Um, okay. And so right. using it almost like you would a workout for any other part of your body, keeping yeah. that area activated and fit and strong. My pelvic floor has had such a good workout during this chat. <laughs> same, like all... <laughs> same. I was just thinking that, like... <laughs> I can't, you can't not do it when you're talking about it. You really can't. And do you know what? The thing I love about it is I always say to my clients, I'm like, pelvic floor exercises are like, should be like a secret little exercise that only you know you're (laughs) doing. Because when you do a pelvic floor squeeze, you can see the people that, as soon as you talk about the pelvic floor, you can tell they're trying to do squeezes because they sort of (laughs) sit really straight and like... They're holding their breath and their eyes are widening and they're really focusing. But in a perfect world, you could be sitting here, I could be talking right now, sort of squeezing my pelvic floor and you wouldn't know because it's all isolated to those internal muscles. So if you're trying and you're listening, see if you can do it in secret. See if you can do it in like a work meeting or, you know, when you're talking to someone and then you know you're doing it well. Have you been able to tell that we've been doing them? No, I haven't, which means you both must be doing them perfectly. Okay, uh, like a delay. Is there a better um, place to do them? Because I remember someone telling me to do them, just so you remember, when you're brushing your teeth is when you do your pelvic floor. So it's like, you know, two minutes in the morning, two minutes in the evening, whatever. But is it better to do them sitting or lying down or is it when you're standing that they're best? It's actually um, different for everyone. So it's just like doing any other exercise where you might sort of change your position to challenge your muscles a little bit more or to make exercise a little bit more functional. Um, For example, a – what's an example? Like a leg press machine versus Mm. squat. You know, in a leg press machine, you're sort of sitting, you're doing the same movement with your legs, but you're not really standing upright this, standing upright, doing a squat with some weight. Very, you know, similar movement, but working your body in a different way. And so when you're lying down, it's actually easier for some women to do a pelvic floor squeeze because gravity is out of the picture. They're not having to tighten all their muscles and lift up against gravity. So that's often a good place to start if you're starting to work on your strength. Sitting, um, you've got a little bit more sort of gravity affecting your pelvic floor squeeze. And then standing is even harder because you're, you're sort of having to hold yourself upright and you've got other muscles working at the same time. So it's even harder often for women to sort of isolate that area so it's sort of like a bit of a progression really you start in yeah. lying you can progress to sitting and then you can progress to standing or even trying to do a pelvic floor exercise like in a squat or sort of squatting down and seeing if you can get the squeeze that way which is even harder in my opinion oh. ah, like that's yeah. yeah that's for the extension class yeah <laughs> exactly so you know if your pelvic floors are getting too easy you can always make them harder 
<laughs> keep sort of challenging yourself. It's like adding weight in the gym. You just keep yeah. progressing and challenging from there. But new mums, I always suggest, you know, perhaps so let's say we're getting you doing your exercises three times a day. Pick three feeds yeah. um, and do them while you're right. feeding because often you're okay. sitting still or you're lying down and you, you're sort of there anyway. So you may as well be focusing on doing some pelvic floor squeezes and, and getting that, you know, using that time well as well. Yeah. And mm-hmm. do you meant to do them in sets or do you just go for it? Um, it depends, again, on the person and what we're working on. But generally, I would do them in sets because yeah. – we want to almost fatigue the muscle so that it feels okay. like it's had a bit of a workout and that's how the right. muscle will then adapt and respond to the training. Right. So a really general pelvic floor strengthening program might look like sitting down in the morning doing two to three sets of 10 squeezes. Okay. Yeah, where you might hold for about five seconds. And then finishing that workout with 10 to 15 really quick pulses or quick squeezes of your pelvic floor. Ah. And then perhaps trying to do that again in the middle of the day and again at the end of the day. So by the time you get to the end of the day, you've done, you know, 60 squeezes and 60 quick squeezes. And that's a really good workout for your pelvic floor. Yeah. And a really nice way to improve your strength. Oh, it's such a good idea, yeah, to try and time it with feeds because, yeah, you're not really yeah. doing anything else any- anyway, are you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah and it, it takes like two minutes. So you've yeah. still yeah. got lots of time left to do whatever else you want to do, but, you know, a nice time to do it. Or when you're driving, a lot of people do it when they're sitting at traffic lights. Mm. Um, or, like we said before, when you're in a meeting, you can be doing yeah. it in secret. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's really no excuses with the pelvic floor because you can do them anywhere. <laughs> Yeah. No, although with mum brain, keeping track of those sets in a meeting, <laughs> I think I'd really struggle. <laughs> very true, very true. <laughs> oh, great. And then is would you say the most common other things is like the ab separation? Yes. You see coming in? Um, leakage, prolapse, I see a lot of um, as well. Again, something that we can help with and help to manage. Pain. Um, whether that's pelvic pain or pain with returning to sex. And again, we can help to manage that as well. Um, and then, yeah, abdominal separation would be the fourth one. Right. That okay. I would see a lot of. Yeah. But I think yeah. the big thing is that a lot of people just need to be told that actually what they're experiencing is normal and yes. it's okay. And I think there's such a lack of information out there that a lot of women come in quite scared about the fact that they're leaking or the fact that they've got ab separation. And once they actually learn a little bit about what it is and what what can be done about it, they feel so much better. And so I think, yeah, that's a big thing that I see is that sort of shift of mindset once they've just got that little bit more information. Mm, Yeah, totally. And I guess to know that you're doing your pelvic floors right as well. Because I imagine... Yeah, well, yeah, I had no idea what I was doing. You're just squeezing, aren't you? But actually (laughs) checking you're doing them correctly. Yeah, very true. And, you know, if if you've never had to have your pelvic floor checked in the past, how would you know? Yeah. Um, And there are some women that do have the coordination just around the wrong way. So, you know, it is good to have it checked just to make sure that you are, what you are training is correct as well. Hmm. Um, so really exciting piece of news that you, you reminded us of before we started recording was about um, ACC claims now for postpartum. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yes, it's so exciting. So it's been a long time coming. Yeah. Yes. Very long. <laughs> but um, officially, as of the 1st of October, ACC has started covering maternal birth injuries which is really, really exciting for everyone involved. Um, It just means that so many more women, you know, are having their injuries recognised and can Mm. access care and treatment, whether that's initial postnatal treatment with a physio or with a doctor or gynaecologist, but also sort of down the track, you know, when you get an ACC claim, you're covered for life. And so, yeah, so if anything sort of were to pop up, that, that was causing you ongoing concerns maybe two, three years down the track from your birth injury, that's covered under ACC now, which is really, really 
amazing. It's yeah. a big step in the right direction. They're not covering everything, um, but they are covering a whole bunch more than they were beforehand, which is really cool. Yeah. So okay. what sort of things are they covering now? Yeah, so there's a big list, um, but the main ones that people would sort of recognise would be um, tearing. So ACC is now covering any tear, uh, wow, whether it's a, a, what we understand, we think they're covering grazers, which are considered like a really small sort of tear to the skin. But they're also covering grade one, two, three, four, and anything in between to the labia, the perineum, the vagina, the clitoris, tearing to the anus or the urethra, like the whole area. Um, Which is amazing. And to be honest, and I was saying this to you ladies before we started, 90% of first-time mums that give birth vaginally are at increased risk of tearing purely because it's their first time yeah Yeah. so that means that now sort of 90 percent or it's don't quote me on that those stats but 90 (laughs) a lot lot, the majority the large majority of women will now be sort of you know able to get that acc claim which is really cool that's Um, so cool they're also covering prolapse so front and back wall vaginal prolapse as well as uterine prolapse that comes about from childbirth can you really quickly explain what a prolapse is to us i sure can so um if we go back to my hammock analogy yeah (laughs) a prolapse is basically where and and um sorry if this doesn't make any sense but a prolapse is basically where one part of the hammock um almost stretches or gives way and allows one of those little humans that are sitting on the hammock to fall down a yep. little bit. Uh, yeah, that makes perfect sense. A little bit. Yeah. And yeah. like thinking about it anatomically, what it is is it's basically a dropping down of the bladder, the uterus or the rectum, your, one of your three pelvic organs, sort of drops down in towards the vagina Ah, and it will happen after most commonly after childbirth where there's been a lot of pressure down through that area your pelvic floor muscles aren't the only thing holding your organs up there's also some connective tissue in there that's that's also helping to hold those up and generally when someone has a prolapse there's been a stretch or there's been some damage to some of that connective tissue and then okay. we're really relying on the pelvic floor support, that hammock from underneath, to do its job to really help to support that organ and help to hold it up. And there's different degrees of prolapse. Some women, it will drop down just a little bit, and other women, it will drop down a little bit further. And and so, yeah, it really depends on, on the person. Symptoms of prolapse would be things like heaviness, or bulging or uh, dragging sensations through the vagina or through the lower tummy or a feeling like something's just sitting a little bit lower or not sitting quite in the right place. Like okay. a lot of women will describe it, the, the feeling of feeling like a tampon's sitting there but that it's yeah. sort of not quite in enough, that sort of sensation. Uh, yeah, okay. okay. Yeah, and again, really common postpartum. A lot of postpartum prolapse particularly um, sort of the the lower grade prolapses will resolve with time and with pelvic floor strengthening. Um, and then if not, there is lots of other management options that we can sort of provide to help with symptoms. Gosh, we really go through it all, don't we? Yeah. We do, but it's so amazing how well most female bodies just bounce back. It honestly yeah. amazes me every day. And, you know, it's just incredible what the female body can do and then, you know, what a little bit of strengthening and sort of advice can do to help as well. I think it's just so nice to know that if you're experiencing any of these things that there's something that can be done to help. Yeah, exactly. And there is always something that can be done. And if not, there's it always helps to just have a little bit more understanding of what's going on and that can often help you know help you to cope with the symptoms that you have got yeah um so with the acc claim who 
does that like how do you go about getting that sorted and is there a time limit post-birth that you have to put the claim in um so you're the midwife or the obstetrician um or your gp can register the acc claim sort of at the time of delivery and that's what sort of suggesting that people do Um, but your women's health physio can also register the claim for you as well if it wasn't done at the time of delivery so I'm seeing I'm just starting to see ladies who gave birth in the first week of October come through and I would say that sort of half of them who who would qualify for an ACC claim have had it registered at the hospital or, or wherever they gave birth and then the other half I'm registering it for them um okay yeah from there so definitely yeah so don't panic if you don't get it done like at the time of delivery don't panic at all um I actually would have to double check this but with with other ACC injuries so with sort of like neck and shoulder and back pain Mm. you can as long as the injury happened within the last 12 months you can register it so um and I'm presuming it's exactly the same with these so you know you don't have to go in and get it registered within six weeks or within 12 weeks yeah come and see us six months postpartum um, and we could register it from there for you that's so great because you know things are so hectic in that first six to 12 weeks so it's nice if you're not yeah kind of mentally there yet that you might still have a bit of time with that absolutely yeah Yeah. I'm so pleased that that's happened no, it's so exciting. There are a few other things that they cover, but those will be the main ones that most people can sort of understand um, and, yeah. and hear about quite often. Okay, cool. Great. Um, and the last question we have for you, Grace, is what would be your essential item for a pregnant or postpartum person? Uh, like physical item? Yes. Yep. Okay. Um, I've got two. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> and they're just such classic physio answers that it makes me cringe a little bit. <laughs> uh, one would be uh, an exercise mat. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah, mainly because exercise is so important. Like when you're pregnant, when you're postpartum, just getting down on the floor and doing a few strengthening exercises can really help with everything. Yeah. That's my best bit boring my second would be um some tubi grip and I don't know if either of you have ah, heard of that yeah. was that that stuff that you can like wrap around yeah like yeah your belly or yeah I think yeah. I was with my friend when you put it around her um belly probably I do I'm handing that stuff out all yeah. the time <laughs> it's tubi grip tubi grip sorry is basically like um compression bandage and, yeah. you know, when you roll your ankle or you sprain your knee and they give you, like, that sort of tube that you slip over that sort of helps to compress yeah. and support with the swelling. We've got maternity-sized tubey grip that we, wow. that women's health physios give out. basically wraps around your tummy. And it's amazing for helping to support your core and support your back through pregnancy as your tummy's growing, but then also for your initial postnatal recovery to give you some core and sort of trunk stability while you're Uh, recovering and while your muscles are improving in strength. And it's so cheap. Um, We sell it by the meter for $15. And in my opinion, it does the exact same thing for your tummy as some of those really expensive compression shorts that you can buy that are sort of $200 plus. Yeah, wow you can you know um yeah you can go up or down in sizes it's great you can chuck it in the washing machine it's just a really versatile piece of (laughs) compression bandage so that would be my other um item and I've had some pregnant friends and I've sort of given them a wee gift before they give birth and I always pop a little bit of tubey grip (laughs) in there for them so that's such a good idea That is. Yeah. I'm going to add that to like my postpartum shopping list. Yeah, great idea. Yes, do. Yeah. I always suggest taking it to the hospital with you. Um, you know, oh, okay. as soon as you're comfortable popping it over your tummy, it will really just help with with support and with comfort. Um, Post vaginal or cesarean delivery. Ah, good to okay. know. Yeah, there's nothing <laughs> yeah, really worse than those know. first few days thinking like everything just feels so loose and like you've got no stability or anything like that exactly and then you're sort of made to or you're asked to or you need to um 
bend over and pick up a baby and pick up a a capsule and sort of do all of this while your body's recovering. So having a bit of support or basically sort of like a bit of a brace around your tummy is really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so great to know. Thank you very much for that. No worries. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us. You're so welcome. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's been so, so informative. And I, yeah, I'm sure it will help lots of people or give people that push to go and see a a postpartum physio for sure. That's exactly what we want. I think the more people that can, you know, have that education and have that knowledge, the better. We'll have that awareness around, you know, what's going on. Definitely. Yeah. amazing crazy time of your lives <laughs> that it is yeah and where can we find you grace or where can people find you online yeah so online um i work or sort of yeah co-own at for physio so you can find us at forphysio.co.nz or our instagram for so f-o-u-r physio um, and you can feel free to message us or sort of contact us through there at any time Thank you so much, Grace. We appreciate this so much. Thank you. You're very welcome. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed that episode. Um, If you did, you would really appreciate it if you could like or subscribe um, wherever you listen. And you can also find us on Instagram at parentpod.nz. We hope you have a great week. See you next week. Bye.